You're listening to Vicious Cycle, the comedy podcast about periods, heavy on the comedy. <laughs> that was so good. Was I good. nailed it. Nailed I just, it. I nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> Season finale, she nails it. Um, hey, I'm your co-host, Meg Trowbridge. I'm Kate Elston. I'm Meg Hayes. And we're in person. We are yeah. in a room together and it's hot as labias in here. <laughs> as a stuffy pad. It's, it's a swamp crotch in it's, here. Yes. We're swampy. We're dewy. We're moist. Um, uh-huh. But we're together and we're excited to be recording our last episode of the season. Uh, and as you guessed from the title, we are talking abortions in film and television. Abortions on the silver and and black screen. Black screen? Yeah, you know, like Black Mirror. So you're watching it on your phone? The, yeah. The gold screen? Well, yeah. I guess the, I just assume silver screen. Wait, silver, silver screen, screen is, is film. Oh, I thought silver screen was television. Oh, too. really? Let's look silver the bronze, screen. The bronze screen, famously, <laughs> is, is the screen you watch uh, at a bar through the window. Yeah. And the, famously, the, famously. The poop screen is definitely just your phone. Yeah. 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 That you watch while you are on the shitter. <laughs> anyway. Okay, silver screen is Film. film. Oh, so I know what I'm talking about. Kate. So is the gold screen? That's what I'm wondering. The gold screen is nothing. <laughs> and, uh, iron screen and the aluminum screen is television. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, wow. Well, yeah, we're talking about notable abortions, good and bad, mm-hmm. uh, present and not present. I mean, all yeah. of the. So we we all are covering three or four each. Um, all the I realized as I sat down today to all the abortions I'm talking about actually don't ever happen on screen. I wonder if yours actually happen on screen. Oh yeah, I think all all four of oh oh one of mine happens okay, on cool. screen. Meg, what are you one of mine happens. Cool, on screen. good because I was like, man, and I do know of another one that does happen on screen that I that we didn't include. Obviously, w- there are so many we aren't including. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's exciting. We picked Very exciting. out of like what we love and what we felt was a good representation of abortion in culture. Yeah. And the ones we knew already sort of. Yeah. yeah. Although y'all, I went Kate, deep. Kate has been She's shook. been texting I've us been, for weeks. I've been traumatized by what I've seen. Yeah. Oh God. And, we'll and now she's going to traumatize all of us. And tonight. you know what? <laughs> it was the first ever abortion on said silver screen. That's wow. the, that's the silver film. screen that's a film that's a, <laughs> that is a film right a motion picture yeah yeah i felt wow. yeah again doesn't happen on screen but happens wow and it's Ugh. creepy as fuck oh! silent Ooh. movie yeah we're gonna get there um oh yeah how was it for you guys to watch i mean silver I s- screens and the other screens i all of mine were on the aluminum and um <laughs> i selfishly chose for shows that I very much loved and had already watched. And I was like, what a delight to like revisit um, these episodes from series that I like love and the characters I love. So it was a delight, but also every single episode, most of them comedies still brought me to tears. Yeah. Like it's still just like, especially in this day, in this economy, with this Supreme Court, (laughs) uh, they all made me cry. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a period update. Oh, okay. I want to hear it. For the people who follow Instagram, including <laughs> my personal trainer, they're up to speed on my... This feels like an update for your personal trainer. Yeah. I mean, it is odd when I go to personal training and he's like, yeah, I thought you might cancel since I saw your Instagram. <laughs> so you're like really struggling. Does that um, mean he follows you or he follows our podcast? 
I don't know. Both? Oh, well, that's fun. He's hey. getting updates. Um, my period update is that my period tried to fucking kill me. <laughs> um, crazy. I think I had a heavy day two, three, and four. Wow. Um, also, I've been, s- before our heat wave, I've been so hot I wanted to like crawl outside of my body. Yeah. Ugh. Which apparently happens when you're on... Um, SSRIs is that what they're called? I'm on Lexapro. Mm. Oh sure, sure. So yeah. that can be, but like I felt that before like, with my period. Early fucking mm. menopause. I felt that before when I've been super late that I just want to like oh, literally yeah. like jump out of my epidural, yeah. epidermis, <laughs> epidermis, epididymis. Yeah. Epidermis. It doesn't happen every cycle, but those days when you just are like, mm. I don't want to be here Existing. in this yes. space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I definitely uh, have one of those. I, yeah, I almost went home to get a heating pad, but I... In this heat? I know. I know. <laughs> this is like, I know, a week ago feels like, yeah. what? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a funny why I cried. Okay, we'll save it for the end. Should I save it? I, I, have a, I have a sincere why I cried for the end. Okay. No, I'll tell you guys. Okay. So I was re-watching a Scandal for the oh, show. Sure. And Spoiler. I, for work. I mm-hmm. cried because at some point in the show, there is a presidential team and it's a female president and vice president. Mm. And I teared up at a fictional show <laughs> sure. of like these two women getting like promo shots. I was like, <laughs> two women? <laughs> Could we be so lucky that they would allow two women to be in charge at the same time? It'd be amazing. I know. Uh, I fucking love Shonda Rhimes too. Just yeah. Spoilers. Just giving us what we want. Love yes. Shonda. Yeah. Yes. But anyways, yeah, I I had like that late period, my first um cycle post COVID. And that one was like pretty tame. Like, yeah. And then this one was like fucking uh, yeah. Rough. Off the chain. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are kind of synced because I think I started my period a couple days after you and uh, about four periods a year. I'd say it's quarterly. Um, I my period is what I described for uh, way early on in our show, like when we were talking cramps Mm -hmm. in season one Mm -hmm. and what made it into our song Righteous Cramps, where it's uh, it doesn't just hurt. It is like my life force is being sucked out. <gasps> like a Dementor. Yes. The Dementor is sucking my life force out. And that's how I felt on Monday. Oh. And, oh no, is that right? Oh no, no. It was Saturday, maybe? It was, it was too soon. It was too soon. But, um, but no, and then I had to like be a, a functioning human that day. And I was just like. During I, our meeting, you were. It it wasn't because I had I was I missed a a meetup before the kickoff. So so it was like, oh, it must have been that Thursday before. So I guess I've been done with my period for over a week. Okay, or for about a week now. Anyways, long story short, we don't keep track of these things. (laughs) Yeah, there is no way to have an app that does that for us. Um, But I barely survived. And now I'm on the other side here and I'm glad to be here. Glad that you're glad to have you. Hey. Kate, is yours still N- nothing? You could set a clock to it. I mean, not really, because last time I came a week early. As that's true. Oh, that's yeah. right. COVID or or whatever. Who knows? That I was, was watching weird, yeah. your cat while you were out this weekend, mm-hmm. and I noticed you did left she, your diva did cup. Did she get her period? 
Yeah, <laughs> she and I were just talking about it. Um, but I noticed you left your diva cup in the bathroom, and I was like, oh, I'm playing it fast. No, loose. I was like, there is no way. I'm on like day 13. I am not taking this fucking diva cup. With it's me. impossible. It's impossible. Um, no, yeah, I'll talk about that as we get to the why I cried, uh, as to why I cried on this trip. Fantastic. Um, you missed your diva cup. I, I get did. it. I missed her. Should we talk about notable abortion? Yeah, let's, let's get into do it. I'm pumped. It. Um, is there a, a surprise uh, improv song we can do? Right I now? don't know, Ooh. but I, I really wanted to write a song um, that because um, Brenda Vaccaro sang. Yeah. I was oh, like, sure. I, okay, I'm gonna do research. Uh-huh. I'm gonna oh. see a song that she wrote that she sang. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm coming up with one oh, right oh, now. Oh, ready? Oh, 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 she's gonna burp. It's she's gonna burp. To me. It's coming to me. Um, abortions. Ooh, on film and screen for the very last time. <laughs> Talking abortions. Feel your blood clot. <laughs> Feel that heartbeat <laughs> for the Ended. very last time. <laughs> right. Love it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so we're going to talk. We're doing about 10 between the three of us. So get ready. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to point out what a, a resource that was super helpful for me and I want to direct all of the listeners to. It's actually an abortion on-screen database through the University of California, San Francisco's Advancing New Standards and Reproductive Health Organization. So the ANSIRH, who we should like reach out to because yeah. I did not oh, know yeah. this was a thing. Um, but they have documented every single abortion and television depiction of an abortion since the beginning of time. Wow. And Incredible. Uh, so just from that, 550 movies or TV episodes wow. deal in abortion. And now oh, what wow. I what I learned and like, like I kind of scanned like the very early ones. Yeah. A lot of it is like, you know, the word abortion was never used. Mm-hmm. Um like they all take place off screen. It's all, sometimes it's like a soap opera about a lawyer defending a doctor who gave an abortion, uh, or so it's not even like about the actual act itself. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had a blast going through it. I, and you can check all these different boxes, like involving a teenager, <gasps> a wanted pregnancy, no and, and you oh, can like wow. narrow it down. Oh, interesting. Um, Does it cover? So, like for instance, one of my shows, like abortion is brought up as an option early mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. but decided against mm-hmm. would it consider that or is it just I like- don't know that's a good question because I do know that they cover some in wherein the like in Roseanne the sitcom mm, she yeah. considers an abortion because there might be a, f- a fetal defect with her baby but yeah. in the end she does go through with it right. with the pregnancy so they count that mm. so and that, same with Murphy mm. Brown Murphy Brown had a right. storyline where single mom Right. Gets pregnant, has the baby. Mm-hmm. Right. Was it Murphy Brown? Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. I can't remember. So, I watched that show religiously. So yes. it's And that's the other thing too is that early on, and maybe we'll talk about this more, a lot of early depictions of abortions either at, like, it was like the showrunners didn't quite want to make a decision one way or the other of what to do. So they would either have, oops, it's a miscarriage. Guess we right. can't decide mm. in the end. Or... um uh, it was a false positive that would be a lot of the things. So mm-hmm. then they didn't have to make that call. Um, and obviously early on, as I will talk about in my very first uh, movie I'm talking about, um, abortions lead to death <laughs> and like oh. and infertility and all the things. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Um, 
Like, yeah, one of the first ever on TV was from, an, this isn't what I'm talking about, but just to give you an example, um, Another World was a soap opera in the 60s. Oh, yeah. And it was the first, I think, first ever, one of the first ever on television. Um, the word abortion was not used. But a teenager gets pregnant and she has an illegal, illegal abortion that leaves her sterile. Um, so that happened a lot. It was like, yeah, yeah. what a terrible mistake you made. Now Mm -hmm. you'll suffer the consequences. Um, but can we talk about the very first ever abortion in film? Yes. Okay. I am so excited for this one. So I knew I'm not an old Hollywood, uh, connoisseur by any means. I don't know much about silent film, but apparently in 1916, there was a movie called where are my children? And <laughs> it is so anti-abortion, but oh, wow. also weirdly really pro-birth control, but in a eugenics oh. way. Oh, oh so yikes. this movie's giving if you... you said, guess what the next word is. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have guessed it in eugenics. Oh, but think about like in the early 1900s, as we've learned mm. from like Margaret Sanger, who invented Planned Parenthood, or discovered, oh, yes. founded Planned Parenthood. Yeah. It was all based on eugenics. It was like, stop yeah. the, the bad people from breeding. Right. So this Ugh. movie is giving you eugenesis. It's giving you anti-abortion. It's giving us oh. everything. It's giving us creepy angels oh. okay. over your Bless. shoulder of the Bless. souls of your children you aborted it's giving all of it now this is a silent movie and i will be playing some clips for the megs but i we will post these on instagram great um because it's silent but it's horrifying i have a weird thing just a little bit about kate (laughs) i have maybe like my biggest phobia or like the thing that creeps me out the most is like like turn of the century photographs and like Mm, films Like my dad and mom have a collection of like family photos on their wall in like really old timey frames. And they're like that sepia, like eight, and late no 1800s. One's smiling. No one's smiling. Everyone oh, looks yeah. like they're like malnourished. Yeah. Like, and mean as and fuck. Mean. Yeah. That stuff really creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. And so this movie, I watched it twice. I watched it on, it's an, like an hour or something long. I watched it on double the speed because I was just like, <laughs> I can't watch it. Gave me the heebie-jeebies and I had nightmares. Oh, oh my God. So, wow. Um, also like, film is different so they're all walking kind of funny like film the film is like yeah, kind of oddly up, yeah, right. like, and they're and, yeah. they're and they're dressed in garb of the era but it's yeah. creepy garb and yeah. the babies all have those really long dresses you know oh. anyway like let's talk so apparently this okay this movie was written and directed by philip smalley and lois weber who lois oh was apparently a prolific director of the silent film era really it starred someone named tyrone Wait, it's lois not lewis Lois. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lady. A lady. Um, and it stars Tyrone Power Sr., who when I mentioned that to friend of the pod, Allison Page, she was like, oh, like, I know that name. I guess he's like comes from a notable like stage and screen family. Ooh. Interesting. So the the premise of this movie is um, Tyrone Power Sr. plays a district attorney named Richard Walton, who is all about eugenics. And it opens on a scene where Richard Walton is defending a guy in the courtroom who has been distributing birth control literature. And mm. so this he is saying, you know, he's defending this guy being like, we need birth control. Like the world needs birth control. And it goes through a vignette of scenes of like poor people, <gasps> like with several children and the children are crying and there's domestic violence and oh, there's like hunger. A woman jumps off a bridge with her baby. This oh. sounds like birth of a nation. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. very birth of a nation. And so Richard Walton is like, so we need birth control. This man on the stand should not be prosecuted. So it opens wow. with a very like 
pro birth control, but yeah. like icky, icky, and weird. It shows you like how complicated politics might have been at that time. Right. Yeah. Imagine a time where people were like pro birth control, so we can stop anyone that's not wealthy and white from having right. Exactly. Right. And you're like, yeah. what? what? Basically, the message is like crime will be gone if we ha- get a handle on these ill-born people. Oh. Um, then we learn. Cut to Richard Walton. We learn his wife is childless, but get this. Fam, she's living her best life. It cuts, <laughs> it cuts to their estate. She is like lounging on the lawn, stroking like several dogs. She's living her best life. Um, and meanwhile, whenever we see Richard Walton, her husband, mm. who's also childless, he's like looking at children from across a meadow forlornly. So like we get the sense that he really wants kids. Yeah. She, they don't have kids and his wife is fine. She's yeah. fine with it. She's loving life. Doing great. Um. So, boop, 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 boop. So the main, first main chunk of the film is defending this guy on the stand who's been distributing birth control literature, um, cuts to all of these horrible scenes. And meanwhile, during the scenes of him talking in the courtroom, it cuts to his wife, Edith, living her best life, as I said, with like having all her single friends over. Single, well, maybe they're not single, but they're childless. Yeah. And so it's just like this man doing the work and like, you know, Blah, 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 blah. And then it cuts to the woman being like all of these like childless women on like a Tuesday afternoon, like without children, like living life. Ugh. So the message is sort of like, Ugh. where are the kids, I guess? Like yeah. where are the like you're supposed to wonder where his kids are yeah. in all this. Interesting. Um, where are my children? So Mrs. Carlo is Edith's best friend um, and she comes to Edith saying, I'm pregnant um, and I don't want this baby. Meanwhile, Side note, every time they show a pregnant person in this movie who uh, a, a baby that's unwanted, they show eee. they show this. I'm showing the Megs. OK, so every time. Oh, my they, God, this is creepy as. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Every time they show a pregnant woman. So this is Mrs. Carlo, Edith's best friend. They show like the soul of the baby over her shoulder. Oh, my so God. Just watch this. Oh, no, 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 no. So we see this, like, creepy, like, translucent angel baby over her shoulder. And then she, like, shudders because she does not want this baby. She, like, breathes heavily. Ooh, and looks right at the camera. She looks right at the camera like, I don't want this baby. So she goes to Edith. Uh, Get the this chair out of me. The district attorney's wife. And, it, and Edith advises her friend to get this abortion. Um, To get an, an abortion. Yeah, because she doesn't want this kid. Yeah. And... It's alluded that like Edith has had several as well. Wow. So this is why she and Richard is are childless. Happily childless. And living her best life. Yep. Later on, she also advises her housekeeper's daughter to get an abortion. There's this whole other story about the housekeeper's <laughs> daughter getting pregnant with Richard's nephew or something. Da 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 da. Oh my oh my and God. that girl gets the abortion and dies. Oh. So Richard the lawyer, our friend, he actually ends up prosecuting this abortion doctor unknowing that his wife has been sending all of her friends also to this abortion oh doctor. But in the process of trying this doctor, he finds out that his wife is a client. Oh, shit. He sees her name on the ledger. And he sees that all her rich socialite friends, who should be having babies, sure, have course. been going to see this doctor. So oh, he, so Richard Walton, who, remember, has been forlornly staring at children the whole film, right. just like wishing he had kids, he goes home and confronts his wife. Oh, boy. If this movie ended, like, 45 minutes early, I feel like it'd just be like, who don't have kids? Yeah, life is great without. Look at how great your life could be. (laughs) So here he comes home and he confronts his wife thusly. 
I will read the text when we see it. So he's approaching her. Where are he goes? Where are my children? Oh, let's just let's, just let's just soak and that she's in. like racking her yeah. brain like where are, where are they <laughs> yeah. so let's just he's angry his her friends have all been kicked out of the house he's just learned she's aborted their where pregnancies where are my children listen to this music too she's like panicked she's panicked she's been caught yeah she's wringing her hands she collapses oh so then we find out that oh boy. Um, it's a great way to get out of trouble, gals. Right. Just, you just know, just faint. if you're ever cornered, <laughs> just faint. OK, so then we realize that um, this these constant abortions that famously women have all the time. It is the preferred form of birth control. We're just chit-chatting about abortions all the time. So it's found out that after these several abortions that she's had, she's now infertile and she can't give him children. And so the film ends with this banana scene. So it's them, it's Richard and Edith sitting in front of their fireplace and the ghost of the souls of the children they would have had sit on their laps and then they age and the older children who would have been in their 40s come and stand. So just watch this. It's so freaky deaky. What? So they're sitting by the fire. They look miserable. Ghosts of their children. (gasps) Oh my God. Climb and sit in their lap. It's like it's like a superimposed. It's probably really hard to do this on, I know, yes, in, right? the, in the 1910s. At this point in time, yeah. And then they age. Oh yeah. Now they're old and, and alone. Then they're alone, and their children, who are in there, who are adults, come and hang out with them. Oh, Jesus! Isn't this freaky? Deep? Yeah. Was this made by the U.S. government? Like you guys need to, you. I feel like if, <laughs> I feel like if birth rates continue to be like going down, something like this is gonna be made. It's like so yeah. two creepy. years. Right. So that is so creepy. so creepy. It's so spooky. And the thing it's of, very it's like, effective. It's like it but is here's very the thing. Effective, it's like yeah. it's like simultaneously saying birth control, yeah. but not for the rich white socialites. Yes. Like you need yeah. to have babies and populate the earth. Yeah. yeah. So it's like these weird two messages. Um, yeah. That basically Ugh. the wealthy women have abortions on a whim. Right. And they should be giving their husbands, who yeah. again, forlornly stare at children across the meadow, yeah. babies. <laughs> right. Like, I can't, way, I can't tell you how many scenes there are of Richard Walton staring, staring longingly at children. At children. <laughs> well, that's also a mess. Um, but it's also like, women can't get it right. Like the wealthy women no. not having children, doing it wrong. The poor women having children, doing also it doing it wrong. Yes. Yes. Like, so this women is, enjoying their lives. Doing wrong. it wrong. No, it was so funny. When it cuts to her, I was like, oh, awesome. I love this Good protagonist. And then I was like, oh, we're supposed to think she's a villain for being <laughs> childless. <laughs> Not the eugenicist lawyer. And like the, the religious angel soul motif throughout the Ew, whole thing. Every time there's so an abortion, there's disgusting. like angels and the gates close. Oh, my God. The heavenly gates. Come on. It's freaky deaky. No, so, no, no. This movie was crazy. Which is ridiculous because everyone knows aborted babies go to purgatory. Please. <laughs> right, right. The Pope covered this. So, sorry. Sorry, yeah. that's dark. But true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this film was very controversial for obvious, for like many reasons. Yeah. Um, but was really popular at the time. So, wow. um, 
Yeah. Imagine a film, like, this entire film is just a PSA. Like, yeah. I'm like, do we have films like that anymore? Where it's like, oh, this is just proving, like, driving home a singular point. Right. Well, I don't know if you, um, there, if you were going to talk about the modern, there was a modern anti-abortion movie made. And it was kind of by the, um, kind of like the pure flicks. Oh, yeah. The Netflix of Chris, the Christian. Yes. Netflix. Oh. And it's called. Was, was Kirk Cameron in it? <laughs> he wasn't. Neither was Cameron or Candace Shocking. Cameron Burr. Shocking. Um, I think it's called. Un- oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so the cut covered it. It may not surprise you to learn that Unplanned, a bizarre anti-abortion propaganda mm. film released last week in select theaters throughout the U.S. has gotten. Uh, has not gotten great reviews. Um, ridiculous, ham-fisted, or ham-handed. Uh, a gory mess. It resembles a basic cable television movie in its mediocre oh, production. Gross. And yet, it's earning more than $6 million in opening weekend. Like, it did very well, despite the fact that it's wow. so clearly, like... Yeah, well, I mean, this wow. feels like that. Because everyone's I, youth group fucking went yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. I feel like Where Are My Children is actually, for the time, pretty good. Not gory, but it's pretty explicit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even know that they say the word abortion in the whole thing. They just say, like, oh, I know a doctor that can take care of that or something. Maybe they say the word abortion. I would have to check. But, um, like, it's it's pretty gruesome. They show yeah. the the housekeeper's daughter die. They show Whoa. her in a coffin. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, the freaking superimposed ghosts of their children. Like, so freaky deaky. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, I love how many times you said freaky deaky. It's so, I it really affected you, I can tell. I really, I yeah. had nightmares that night. It yeah. is creepy. It is creepy. Um, 100%. Look at, we'll, we'll share on social. We'll share on social. It's just it's jarring. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to say one of the text, the, the text cards that are famously throughout uh, silent films. Um, after uh, she has found out that she's had so many abortions, the text card says, Having perverted nature so often, she found herself physically unable to wear the diadem of motherhood. Oh, God. And apparently, it was either this film or another film that came out around the same time would end on, like, trying to get the audience to discuss. Like, it would say, like, what do you think? Or something. And then it would, like, encourage the audience to immediately talk about it. So, like, it kind of was this, like... Yeah. Anyway, so crazy, so weird. Wow. That was number one, the very first ever abortion in film... And we're going to go chronologically from here, right? Yep. Let's do it. Ooh. I need a break from that. I know. Okay. Shake it out. Shake it out. Shake it out. Okay. So now that we've seen the first ever uh, abortion on in movies, I would like to talk about the first primetime abortion. Ooh, yes. And that was 1970s Maud. The Ooh, sitcom. Ma- I forgot Sorry. we were doing Maud. I was wrong. Wrong. 1972. Great. 1972. Cue um, the theme song to Maud. And then Lady there's Maud. Lady Godiva was a freedom rider. Joan of Arc had the soul to guide her. And time time so it appeared it was a fruit of fodder. Amelia Earhart flew a lot of airplanes until one day when she never came back. Now we're doing Family Guy. I was just going to start being like, Matt, 
Marie Curie was a scientist, but then Lady. she died for the A bomb. Is that right? I think Marie Curie is in the original of Mod. Uh, anyway, I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, yeah. so we just we met we mishmash the actual Mod theme song there with the Family Guy parody yeah. of it. But <laughs> also we sing the original. It's perfect. Zuby. Okay, so for I those of you watch Mod, I've never no. seen an episode. It's great. It's great. Mm. Well, watch. Uh, watch us a twenty bit right now. Oh, I'm so so for those of y'all who don't know, Maud stars the one and only B. Arthur, after which my daughter is named. Yeah. Truly went for the B of B. Arthur and was like, that's my daughter because I love her character on Golden Girls and I love Maud. Um, Maud is the story of a liberal, well-educated, upper middle class lady, uh, a feminist, the archetypal feminist of her generation. She lives in suburban New York with her fourth husband. Okay. Their, I didn't know that. Her divorced daughter and her grandson. Uh, um, she God was a, damn. She was the a, 70s were fucking yeah, cool. Yeah, they were killing it. She, she was uh, this. She was a spinoff from All in the Family. She played Archie oh, yes. Bunker's the or it like was Edith, in law or something? I think it was Edith, Edith Bunker's cousin. Okay. So she was Archie's like liberal foil. Right. Um, so they made, you know, when they, all the shows were spinoffs. So this yep. came from that. Yeah, because the Jeffersons was a spinoff of All in the Family also, I think. Yeah, oh, there's a lot. Because they wow. were friends. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So Maud is feisty. She's sarcastic. She's dry. She's Dorothy from the Golden Girls, yeah. which she will play 10, 15 years later. I love that you see Dorothy. Because because there is, a, you add the extra syllable because it should be there. Dorothy instead of Dorothy. <laughs> Dorothy. Do I say yeah. Dorothy? Yeah. Oh, funny. Dorothy. <laughs> That's um, right. So the episode in question we're talking about was the first legal abortion portrayed on television. But again, not wow. poor. Uh, uh, sorry, I think it was primetime television. Mm. Um, and it was the first legal because yeah. in 1972, um, mm. it was two months before Roe v. Wade was codified, but abortions were legal in the state of New York. Right. Mm. So this took place in season one, episodes nine and ten. It was a two-parter. Season one. Wow. That's yeah. fucking bold. Yeah. So we'll talk wow. about why they did this storyline in a second. It's not quite what you think, but it's interesting. Um, so the story, oh, the episode opens with her. She comes home. She slams the door. She's in a hissy fit. She's really rattled. Um, her daughter and her best friend Vivian are there. Vivian, played by Rue McClanahan. Mm, who, who plays who like plays, a, a Rose, Rose type, right? Uh-huh. She's kind of a ditz, right? Yes, but look at how old they both look. <gasps> oh my wow. god, they look so much older here than they do in Golden yes. Girls. Truly, Rue McClanahan looks like she's fifty. She's thirty-eight here. Shut up. The seventies were not good for she's ladies. She's basically yes. our age. Yeah, and she's thirty-eight. Yeah, and I believe B. Arthur is in her late forties or fifty, but she's playing late forties. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. They gave her fully gray hair. It, it she's just, supposed to be playing older. Rue McClanahan? I don't know. Wow. I, she might just have had gray hair at that point in her 30s. Oh, sure. <gasps> I mean, it's... Who, yeah, who knows? Pop. But so, yeah. So, wow. B. Wow. Arthur's character of Maude is supposed to be 47 years old. Um, she walks in and it, they basically get it out of her that she's pregnant. Um, and uh, her daughter, who is like super feminist, uh, young woman is offering her the like mom it's legal now in new york you can do this like and she doesn't she doesn't say the word abortion for a while mm. but um you don't have to think that way anymore it's legal now she says that um so the first episode of just them kind of talking about it the the three ladies then the neighbor friend comes over he's a doctor he, they talk to him about it 
then they start a conversation about how vasectomies should be more normalized and how wow, men should be wow. taking responsibility. But all of the people around Maude are being like, you should really consider having an abortion. You are a grandmother. Yeah. Like you and your fourth husband don't want children. I don't think you should do this. Then the husband, Walter, comes home. There's a bit where like he says, how's my baby to, to Maude and everyone the, knowingly laughs. Right. You know, the audience knows and everybody knows. Um, she asks for a drink. She says she's drinking for two. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, Feels very B. Arthur. And yeah. then finally she lets her husband in on it after a very much like the classic like sitcom like he doesn't know but everyone knows yeah. bit. And then she finally lets him in on it and find oh he, there's a bit where he's like choking on a chicken bone and no one helps him you know because they all just Oh, know, assume that he's... He's just in shock yeah. but he's actually choking to death. <laughs> um, so finally, at 21 minutes and 35 seconds, they say the word abortion, and I want to play that little chunk for you guys. Mm. So this is her daughter coming up to her and trying to convince her mom to have the abortion. Mother, I don't understand your hesitancy. When they made it a law, you were for it. Of course, I wasn't pregnant then. <laughs> Mother, it's ridiculous. My saying this to you, we're free. We finally have the right to decide what we can do with our own bodies. All right, then will you please get yours into the kitchen? <laughs> You're just scared. I am not scared. You are, and it's as simple as going to the dentist. Now I'm scared. <laughs> Mother, listen to me. It's a simple operation oh. now. But when you were growing up, it was illegal. And it was dangerous, and it was sinister, and you've never gotten over that. Now, you tell me that's not true. It's not true. And you're right. I've never gotten over it. Mm. It's not your fault. When you were young, abortion was a dirty word. It's not anymore. Now you think about that. Wow. So that's the first time we hear the word abortion in the show. It's almost the end of the episode. Wow. Um, But so powerful. We've been talking. But I love how they mix comedy with it. You know, like it's really funny. It's really funny. It's a daughter comforting her mom. Yeah. 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 When do you ever see that revolutionary? And I I love the you were for it when it was passed. You know, and it's that thing we've heard all season of like I just never thought abortion would be something I went through, but I want it for other people. Right. Um. So. The, the husband, Walter, is saying, whatever you decide, it will be all right with me. Um, he he promises he'll get a vasectomy. And so part one of the ep- part one ends on them not knowing what she'll do. Part two starts. She starts off mod saying that she will have the baby because she thinks Walter wants to have the baby. Um, mm. And so there's this kind of misunderstanding the whole episode that like they both just keep saying, I'll do whatever you want. And they uh-huh. both go, gotcha. But they're thinking other things yeah. kind of thing. Um, uh so then, then there's like a whole scene of Walter getting up the courage to have a vasectomy. He talks to other guys at the bar who've had it. And it's this awkward like That's dudes cool. talking about vasectomies. Then he doesn't go through with it in the end because he's a jerk. Um, he's kind of the bumbling, <laughs> sure. the bumbling husband. So like um, a Stan from Golden. Yeah. So yes, like he's most stan. husbands. Yes, he's absolutely Stan. <laughs> um, so, bo- so it's like both Maude and Walter are trying to shake their preconceived notions of these procedures. Right. Mm. They're like, I, I, in theory, I'm for it, but not for me. Right. Um, so he comes home and Maude thinks that he had the vasectomy, but he didn't. So she's like taking care of him. And it's like very Ugh. funny because we know he didn't have it. <laughs> the classic misunderstanding. Classic. Um, and yeah, they're laying in bed and finally they decide to have it. I, it comes out that um, Walter gives a spiel about how he never wanted to be a father. Mm. And she said, wait, I thought you did want to be a father. He goes, no, I, I want to. I'll do whatever you want to do. But I never thought that 
parents, being a parent was right for me. Um, and he says, I think it would be wrong for us to have a child at our, at our age. And she says, so do I, Walter. We'd make awful parents. <laughs> um, and then he's, she asks him if she's doing, this is how the, the episode ends. Just tell me, Walter, that I'm doing the right thing, not having the baby. For you, Maud, for me. In the privacy of our own lives, you're doing the right thing. I love you, Walter Finley. So oh. they hug, and then we don't see it. The next day doesn't even come, whatever. We just assume that it's not talked about again. Yeah. She just doesn't yep. have a baby. Yep. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Again, like older woman, you know. I feel like that's a story yeah. I haven't seen since then. Yeah. Like, well, Crazy mm-hmm. Ex Girlfriend. We got a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We're coming. Um, but so I read a little bit about this like groundbreaking episode because it really truly was groundbreaking. Um, Norman Lear was the, sh- I think the showrunner and the, fa- the Her, famous. creator. Yeah, I the think, creator yeah. of the show. He decided that a false pregnancy would be a cop-out and yeah. miscarriage was out of the question um, since the, all in the family there had been a miscarriage after uh, b- mm. while deciding oh, on an abortion. Oh, interesting. Um, but what actually inspired the storyline is not like this motivation to like tell a really progressive story. It was actually inspired by an organization called Zero Population Growth. They oh, announced they were giving oh a $10,000 prize for comedies that had something to do with controlling the population. Oh, wow. And everyone came up with getting a vasectomy. Uh, but I guess the writers of Mod were like, no, let's make it about abortion. So it like kind of came from a weird, yeah. again, maybe eugenics? For, yeah. I don't know. Because zero population growth, it's not environmental. I think in the 70s, there was a really big movement for like, the world is going to overpopulate. We need to control oh, the population. It was it was like an environmental issue. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. We, one hopes. Right. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they were putting this in an American show, yeah. it wasn't like Africans yeah. p- controlling population. It was like all Americans. Yeah. Um, and that w- watching the show with that or the episode with that knowledge, some lines make sense. Like the daughter says, mom, the way things are going, if older people like you keep acting like rabbits, we're going to be packed in here like sardines. <laughs> oh, so there yeah. is this sort so of like, like, yeah. A pet, yeah. Like- Although it did, obviously, it was super progressive, but it's just, I, I didn't know that about I it. Like that had to also come from the baby boom, right? Where all of a sudden, these people are becoming adults and everyone's like, holy shit, there were too many of you. Yeah. There's just a lot of people We now. boomed way too much. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, they also then, yeah. lost so many people in war and then also were like, whoa, 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 right. you know? The other interesting thing about this is that it did get a lot of flack. Um, no. Although, so 65 million people watched the episode, which is Holy huge. Holy shit. And all but two. Wow. So yeah. many people. That's the 70s for you. Yeah. Like everyone 65 watched. 65 There wasn't that much to watch. People. Yeah. Um, uh, today, that's like, the fucking Super Bowl or yeah, something. Right. Like, yeah. The, that's probably higher than the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. Wow. Um, all but two affiliates carried the episode, but they did get a lot of protest letters and stuff. Mm. Um, the network had said, you know, they were wary about this episode for obvious reasons. And so they made sure that the neighbor, they, there was a scene where the neighbor came over and she has lots of kids and she's happy. So they wanted to be like, oh, hi, next door neighbor who has lots of kids and is pregnant again. Uh-huh. And then it's it's because of that neighbor, actually, that Maude kind of decides like, oh, I I don't want to have more because yeah. she has so many. Like it was sort of, the, but but they still had the, the, the like perspective of like, you can have a lot of kids and be happy. Yeah. It's just that Maude doesn't want right. them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, what, I had never seen this episode before. I had read about it. I'd heard about it. And I was actually a little disappointed that it didn't actually it was so much talking about it yes. without actually like 
the logistics yeah. of it, the aftermath of it, the right. whatever of it. Mm-hmm. But like that scene I showed you with her and her daughter, that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I love that, wow. you know, it, it's not a dirty word now an yeah. abortion, you yeah. know, like, yeah. And it's so, there were so many like, you know, uh, exposition lines were set. Like, I think like two or three characters were like, it's legal in New York now. Like they decided, <laughs> like, it's legal here. Maude is doing the right, like She's it's not legal. a criminal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Camera. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So love B. Arthur. Love her for this. Um, love Norman Lear. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he yeah. is an amazing person. And then there's Maude. Beatrice Arthur had abortions on TV and then she went on to be Dorothy. Hey. Okay. Yeah. That was nice. Any hoodle, let's move on to the 80s. Hey. Oh, the 80s that's cosplaying as the 60s. I don't <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so we are going to chat about Probably one of the more famous abortion storylines from the film Dirty Dancing Mm. uh, that came out in Kate's birth year, 1987. Thank you. Wow. Good year. Put it on blast. In this 1987 film, a dancer named Penny, who works at the resort um, that everyone goes to, which is like like the Catskills. Like it reminds me of like... Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, yeah. like everyone What's goes the, over the summer. The 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 um, um the islands where they are, the Hamptons. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. It's like where people go to vacation, yeah. and that's where Baby's family goes to vacation. Her name's AKA Baby. Francis. Right. Um. So yeah, Penny is a dancer working at the resort, um, and she finds out she has an unexpected pregnancy and obtains an illegal abortion. Because we're in the sixties. We are, I believe we are in the 60s. That's right. Yes. Um, Yeah. It looks like it's early 60s is when it's supposed to be. Um, After Penny has the abortion, she experiences a a potentially life-threatening complication. And only with the help of baby's father, who is a physician, Mm -hmm. is able to recover. Okay. So So the man saves her. The man, the the kind physician man, Jerry Orbach, saves her. I mean, Mm -hmm. we... Please. King Jerry Orbach. This is a pro Jerry Pod. Jerry Stan Pod. <laughs> um, but the crazy thing about this film is while it is a coming of age story, the entire film, the entire plot hinges on this abortion. Mm-hmm. The entire thing. Mm. Because yeah. since Penny has to get an abortion, she has to drop out of like whatever. First of all, like the big dance. Mm. The. The stakes in this film, they make you really feel like they're going to be on Dancing with the Motherfucking Stars. Right. Like, yeah. like, this dance is like the Olympics. And it's at the, it's yes. like the Catskills end of summer. Yeah. It's like, like the skit. Jamboree. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's literally at the end of a skit. Yeah. And everyone's like, okay, we got to hit the road. There's going to be traffic. And like, everyone's like, we got to nail that final <laughs> it's such a good point oh man but any hoodle um yeah because penny is like out of commission then baby somehow gets to like fill her shoes and then she meets patrick swayze and then Mm -hmm. they fall in love but then also like baby has to lie to her dad because she ends up getting the money to help penny pay for the Mm -hmm. abortion Mm -hmm. so she yeah, I don't think she steals. I think she like asks her dad and yeah, lies for, about what it, it's for. Yes, yeah. Um, and then 
she has to tell her dad that she lied to him mm. and that actually her friend just had this horrible abortion and she needs him and so mm. he like gets his medical bag and yep. like saves the day um i god i saw this movie and i have no memory of it so this oh. is a good recap and like it really feels like high high stakes oh yeah and like Highest. i remember it's like she's in the doghouse with her dad he yes. helps out penny yes he like saves her life and uh and then he's kind of like wow baby i didn't know these were the kind of people you were hanging out with mm. he's still kind of judgmental yeah, that's about fucked them. Up. and then she's in the doghouse with her dad but then that dance at the end really really turns things around for her he's like wow my daughter can dance <laughs> she's a I, woman now yeah. <laughs> no one puts baby in the corner <laughs> <laughs> um you're right though he is really judgmental yeah that's fucked up he like does what's right as a doctor you know yeah but then he's like one you lied to me about the money but two like oh this is who you've been spending your summer with yeah you're like hey because then also remember the whole movie oh 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 because doesn't he also look down on patrick swayze because yes. he thinks it was his baby Oh yeah, maybe and then it's, yes. And then you find out no, no, Patrick it's the shitty waiter, a damn ally. Yeah, yeah. It's the sh- it's the shitty waiter. Um, what was I gonna say? But it's also really high stakes of like being like a daddy's girl that's growing up and is like doing stuff yeah. that upsets your parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and like going against like that. W- that's really relatable. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a thing and my parents disagree with me. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a great film. Also, remember that scene where she like goes <sighs> through the Which first like one? dirty dancing night where she walks in and she sees them all like fucking grinding on each other mm-hmm. and she's like, Ugh. and I remember in that moment being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, so sexy. That movie is so it's sexy. very sexy. Oh, yeah, because it's like after hours, all the workers hang out and they fuck on yeah. the dance floor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Legs are on shoulders. Yes. Like knees are in faces. It's. Very sexual. And look, did I also see Dirty Dancing Havana Nights? Yes, of I did. Of course. Um, did I almost steal a life-size cardboard cutout of the poster from my local theater? I almost did. Oh, man. I did not. But it <laughs> it was in the dumpster, and I was very close to taking it. I saw Havana Nights with uh, my good friend, who doesn't listen to the pod, um, Felicita. And um, so I can say whatever I want about How her. How dare. Yeah. But um, she and I saw it like opening Oh, because that would have been your freshman year, right? I yeah. I think it was my senior year. It was pretty, yeah. it was, yeah, we were young. <laughs> and uh, we're I love in a, that this was a marker. We're in a packed theater. And there's a moment where... Uh, this has happened to me twice where I've seen bad teen movies and there's a moment where it's supposed to be really dramatic like the big pivotal moment oh where like someone says the perfect thing to like oh really dig into the romantic interest and I can't remember but let's say it was something like oh yeah well I guess you don't know what love dance is like and <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and and there's supposed to be this really powerful moment but instead everyone in the theater goes <laughs> and then we all laugh we just all laughed together and it was really wonderful. I'm oh pretty sure Dirty Dancing Havana Nights was written by Peter Sagal, who hosts Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on, on Oh, really? No. Yeah. Is, no it was way. written by someone who who is sort of respectable now and is like, yeah, that's me. Oh, I remember. What? Yeah. So um, it sounds like this took place right before. And again, this is a 1987 film, but it's supposed to be in the early 60s. It took place right before the abortion rights movement kind of reached a height. Mm-hmm. In 1963, abortion was illegal nationwide, but the movement 
was beginning to gain steam. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1955, after a 50-year ban, um, Planned Parenthood held its first ever conference on abortion. By 1965, illegal abortions accounted for 17% of all deaths related to pregnancy and childbirth. Um, And, of course, low-income women were, and people were disproportionately Do you think that Mm. the screenwriters of Dirty Dancing were like, I want to do a movie about what abortion used to be like in the 60s? That's a good question. Where should we set it? Where should we set it? How about a jamboree in the Catskills? I want to make a a statement picture. Yes. I want to make a difference. Yes. And then Patrick Swayze, you're hired. <laughs> Shirtless. It is a really scene. good question though. Like that didn't come up at like I have stuff from the, yeah. the screenwriter, but like that didn't come up. I mean up. it could mm-hmm. also just be that it wasn't the abortion wasn't a big of a deal. Yeah, it's just interesting like when men write for abortion and when women write for yeah. abortion. Yeah. When men write well, for I believe, abortion. I yeah. believe a woman wrote this. Yeah. So yeah. That, so Eleanor it, so Bergman. It feels, yeah. So it feels like a more pro-abortion It really movie. does. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, although. You can definitely tell that a woman wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think like. I don't know. I, I feel like know. it's sexy in like a consensual way. Like they're yeah. both really into each other. Yeah. yeah. The skeezy guy gets like his come up come up he's come up well, I mean end, yeah. Lois Weber famously wrote the 1916 where are my children and that right. was the most feminist thing I've seen all day and you have <laughs> ghostly children <laughs> hanging over okay. your shoulder I wish you would yipes. stop reminding us of <laughs> yipes cool um the word abortion is never mentioned in what the film what is up with that yeah. guys yeah we're not it's not the it's it's not a bad word I guess I know it is for some people yeah um, right? it's just funny that you can allude to it so much yes well with no problem but the word so, same yeah. with period right yeah. like yeah. there's a crazy thing when courtney cox a period on yeah the right your little friend yeah the crazy thing is there was like very descriptive language um eleanor bergman is a screenwriter she called it purple language which i had never heard of before but that means like gory like mm. very mm. explicit language which i won't go into but like she had a doctor on set to be like is this what oh, an wow. illegal abortion would be like oh wow. she she said she made it very clear to the studio, even though there was pushback, like, I want this language in because I want people to understand what an illegal abortion was. Do you see the illegal abortions after effects? No. Uh-uh. Okay. I, have, I, I can't mean, you the see movie. her, yeah, you like, see her in shaking. Pain. And in, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the beauty is there was a film in 1987 where people didn't know what an illegal abortion right. was like. Right. 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 That's the beauty is that yeah. she's like, reminding me, Oh, people. people are going to watch this and they're not going to understand. Right. So right. I need to like lay it out for yeah. them. Right. Yeah. This is why we're so glad it's legal now. Yeah. yeah. It's just um, so funny in to the eighties. Like, unlike now. <laughs> right. In the it, 2020s. It's yeah, funny right. that like, uh, again, I'm bringing it back to where are my children because this is what keeps <laughs> me up at night. But like, it's the anchor for the rest the, of the, the, the death and the, the illegal abortion that that one woman has that kills her. The, mm. the, the answer to that movie at that time or to that scene at that time was, well, then don't have abortions. Right. right. Have the children. Yeah. Only if you're white and wealthy. Right. Whereas with this, it's like, this is why we need legal yeah. abortions. It's just funny how. Yeah. yeah it's very 60, true. 60 years later, you know, 70 years later. Yeah. It's it's a really progressive movie. Yeah. yeah. The entire movie is based That's on great. an abortion. That's cool. That. That's so, Dirty Dancing. Thanks, Dirty Dancing. Thanks now Dirty Havana Dancing. Nights. No, <laughs> <laughs> for the hell of it. Okay, so we've done 1960, 1970, 1987. Now, where are we going, Meg Hayes? Oh, is it me next? Yeah. Yes. Oh, and now we are going to New York City. We were in, I'm Bay. assuming, upstate. Bay. 
And now we're in the proper city. Let's make up lyrics to that. I, okay, I know nothing about, I mean, I, I've seen like Sex and City here and there, but I really don't know really? about this storyline. So oh, okay. So this episode. Can I guess? Is it Samantha? <laughs> well, Samantha, it's, honey. It's multiple people. Oh, okay. So this episode of Sex and the City is called Coulda, Shoulda, Woulda. Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Did I mess that shoulda, up? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> shoulda, shoulda, shoulda. <laughs> um, it is season four, episode 11. Carrie is back with Aiden. We're talking about short-haired Aiden right now. Oh, that, baby. You know, I prefer the long-haired Aiden because he was less cynical, but it's okay. Oh, sure. You know, he wasn't heartbroken then. Sure, right. This is, yeah, yeah. This and is short-haired Aiden, but this is an episode before he's like, you broke my fucking heart. Or is it mm-hmm. after he said that? Well, they're still together in this episode. But this is after they've broken up and got back together. Yes. Got it. Oh, my God. Because long-haired Aiden was the first time yes. around. Right. Short-haired Aiden oh, has... Aiden. Oh, anyways. Um, <laughs> so, coulda, woulda, shoulda um, discusses or, be, like, features stars uh, Miranda Hobbs. And it opens on her and Carrie hanging out together in the middle of a street and... Um, Miranda Hobbs, a.k.a. Cynthia Nixon, is like, I'm pregnant. Um, and immediately is like, obviously, I'm going to have an abortion. So Miranda has like a pity fuck with her ex, Steve. Right, I know Steve. Because Steve finds out that he has cancer, okay. testicular cancer, okay. and has to get one of his balls removed. Okay. And he like feels like he's not going to be ma- as masculine mm. and all these things. And at this point, Miranda has always found out, has already found out that she has like a lazy uterus. <laughs> or sorry, sorry, lazy wait, ovary. Wait, no, 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 wait. A lazy I want ovary. A lazy uterus. Lazy uterus. <laughs> that uterus Alternate title to it up. won't hold anything. <laughs> a lazy ovary. So he also wants lazy ovary. What does that right. mean? And I've so they fuck without a condom because she feels bad for him and she's like, You're still masculine. Yeah. And then she gets pregnant. Mm. Because there's no such thing as a lazy ovary. <laughs> what is a lazy ovary? Um so Jenny. Bix is the writer and co-exec producer of Sex and City. She wrote this episode. She said, we thought you really can't do a show about 30-something women and not talk about abortion and the prevalence. Um, She said they were aware they were doing something a little forbidden, but we also wanted women to feel that it was okay and for people to feel that it was okay. Um, So that happens, and then they're all at brunch. Mm -hmm. And... um, this is at a time where Charlotte and no, Kyle not Harry, not Harry, yeah. Kyle McLaughlin are still yeah. together they're, and they're trying. They're trying. And they're Troy. trying and they're trying and they're trying. Trey. 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 <laughs> um, they're trying and like maybe she has like a thing of like tampons because she just got her period. Like she's really, yeah. really upset and she's like, why can't I fucking get pregnant? Some people get pregnant just by you looking at them. Like she's mm-hmm. having like a whole right. big mm-hmm. thing. And Miranda and um, Carrie. Carrie are like, oh my God, oh my this God. is so fucking awkward. Um, and Charlotte's like, what is it? And Miranda's like, I'm pregnant. Um, so 
Charlotte gets up in a huff and is like, I guess you guys can have your abortion talk now and like leaves <laughs> French. Um, but yeah, the beauty of this episode and like, I don't know, I'm interested to see what you both think. Because mm-hmm. again, this is 20 years ago. Okay. We have to give it, you yeah. know, we have to be kind. 20 years ago. Sure. Um, but it's interesting to hear people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Wait, she goes through with the abortion, right? Well, okay, because they do have a baby, right? Yes. Okay. They do have a baby. Okay. So at the table, we have Samantha Carey Miranda. Samantha, probably my favorite feminist icon Mm -hmm. of all time. Mm -hmm. She's like, how many of you had? I've had two. (laughs) And and Carey's like, one. I've had one. Just the one. Just the one. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So there's this beautiful, like, destigmatization. And part of the storyline is Miranda, you know, Miranda, the crazy thing is, like, Miranda's pretty decisive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, changes her mind at the end. Okay. Right. Um, but you also see Carrie kind of going through her decision to have an abortion mm-hmm. when she was, like, in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. And she, um, I don't remember if she purposely goes back to visit this guy, but it was, like, a one-night stand, and she ends up going to a restaurant where this guy is a waiter and like mm-hmm. he can't remember her and she's like okay it was the right decision yeah. um but at one point she and Miranda are talking and she kind of is like are you sure you don't want to have it like she doesn't quite say it but there is a little mm-hmm. bit of like why aren't you keeping it mm. um which is interesting I mean it's Miranda Miranda like makes her own decisions yeah. like I you know she's not a Charlotte that's like more easily swayed but it is kind of interesting that they show that this isn't just a decision that you make on your own it's like how does it impact you how does it impact your friends mm-hmm. what do your friends think about it mm-hmm. and another big storyline is whether or not she tells Steve because mm-hmm. she pretty immediately is like hell no I'm not telling him because mm-hmm. he'll want to keep it oh, interesting. and so Carrie tells Aiden like I have to tell you something but you can't tell Steve but they're best friends oh boy and then Aiden's like, why did you tell me that? That's so messed up. Like, she should tell him. And he, like, has kind of an opinion about it. Mm. Um, which is, are you laughing at me? Like, for you doing oh, the entire I love episode? It. It's like we're talking about our friends. Yeah. Like, the fucking guy has an opinion. Like, fuck you. I know. <laughs> um, but that's really interesting that they bring in, like, I don't know. Should she tell Steve? Like, yeah. what is it her responsibility? Should he know? You know, because like mm. Aiden feels like, oh, that's really messed up. And now I can't tell my friend. So that's like a really yeah. interesting storyline. Um, yeah. So Bricks is like uh, the person that wrote the episode says, what are the parameters of what you owe your partner? How much is your own privacy? How much do you owe somebody else? It's such a good point. I mean, if yeah. it's if you're not in a relationship with someone and, you know, like it's it's a very interesting thing to unpack for yourself, you know, and that's like such a personal decision. But I'm like, I totally get that people who are like, we're not intimate. We're not planning to be together and I don't want a kid. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take care of it. You Mm -hmm. know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, um, the writer also says like so much of the times we just see this like black and white fighting but mm-hmm. you don't see all the complicated yeah. gray area, right? Like it's a it's a challenging decision to make. You have to weigh a lot of options. We saw that with Maud. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, like you were saying, this is kind of a unique um, archetype for someone having an abortion. 
like typically abortion storylines happen to lower income people, people of color, teens. These were these were all like white, mm-hmm. fairly privileged 30 somethings yeah. that mm-hmm. could like afford to have a baby. Miranda mm-hmm. could easily afford to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Also, she's getting older. She's like aging out of like maybe being able to have a baby. Mm-hmm. But you see her weighing it. She's not very maternal. Mm-hmm. She like made a mistake. She didn't use a condom, mm-hmm. which is something you typically only hear like teens doing. Right. Um, also, Carrie lies about her abortion to Aiden at first because oh. he asks her and she's like, no, I haven't had one. Thank God. And then she's like, why did I lie? Oh, like, yeah. why did I? So the whole so, episode's about abortion. Yeah, That's pretty cool. much. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. yeah. Well, and how complicated it is when, like, you're in a situation where you have a friend that's dying for a kid and then this happens to you. Like, it feels very easy to connect to. Um, I think it's easy to put our own opinions on characters on TV and what their choices are. Yeah. Especially in an episode like this or a, a, a topic like this where it's like, do this like just do it like right. I like you you're my favorite character I'm a Miranda so do it this right. way you right. know then to be like oh it's everyone's choice in the end and yeah and that's why this this issue gets people so riled up all over the country because you want to see your outcome happen right yeah that's yeah. so true so true um it, I found it interesting that the writer said that they talked they spent more time talking about when Carrie had an abortion and trying to make that decision because they didn't want the audience to turn on her, which oh, I thought was wow. like really weird. Like they when knew, would they turn? I At don't what know. Age? After 28? That's what I'm wondering. I <laughs> and know. And it's like they knew they wouldn't turn on Samantha, but somehow yeah, they turn on that? Carrie. Yeah, isn't she's like, she's, she's the, the Carrie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and like Carrie's the us, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Right? Guess, she's the so, narrator. But it's so funny now that when you talk to people like, I guess Carrie feels protagonisty, right? But so many people are like, "Oh, I'm a Charlotte. I'm a Miranda." Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. So it's funny now that they're like, "Protect Carrie." The rest are supplemental. You know? Yeah. 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 I remember with that episode, isn't there a moment at the end where they get together and Charlotte, like, she's afraid that Charlotte's never going to talk to her again. Yeah, but I think Charlotte ends up like taking her to the clinic, maybe, or picking yeah. her up from the clinic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and but there's like a moment where Charlotte's like. You know, I'm I'm your friend. I'm going to be there yeah. for you. Yeah, because yes. I think, um, yeah, I'll have to go back and look because it all the friends also tension go. That she gets pregnant and stays pregnant while Charlotte's still trying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the friends go to Miranda's house because they think she's just mm. had an abortion, mm. and so she breaks it to the rest of the friends. Yes, but I can't remember who she's with. Right. But, you know, for all it's. You know, didn't age wellness like it's a fucking that, groundbreaking show. Yeah, it feels like it. That feels episode feels good. Like, yeah, it feels yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that the person in question still doesn't go through with an abortion, but it still had so many moments to destigmatize it. Right. Yeah. The other yeah. people are like, yeah, I had to. Yeah, don't regret it. I don't even remember Samantha's other storyline. She's probably just like fucking, fucking, <laughs> fucking, fucking. Cut to her giving a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. That's yeah. Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Baby. I had an abortion, except that I didn't. But my friends abortion. did. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Carrie and I wear a big dress. <laughs> so, um, Call the Midwife. A show from the 2010s, but it takes place in the 50s. Love it. Right. So again, very Dirty Dancing-esque in its way. Um, Call the Midwife centers on 
a monastery, I guess a nunnery called Nanata's House, um, where there's like a, a sect of nuns who uh, also run like a midwifery. And so they have all these nurses who are professional nurses who also live there and they're like, it's their boarding house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are all midwives uh, for the women in this kind of low income neighborhood. Like so East London. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so yeah, it takes place in London. Uh, and every episode usually focuses on two different pregnancies and two different midwives like helping each pregnancy along. Um, and I love this show. I love it. I watched it pregnant uh, and uh, it, well, it was like a little of this, a little of that. It was yeah. like, okay, in the fifties women survived. It's going to be fine. You know? Sure, like, yeah. But then other episodes were like, Oh, the baby's feet can come out first. Yes. I'm sorry. I think about that episode all the time. Right. Cause yeah. it's the one where it's like, the klutzy midwife who can't get anything right. And then she's alone. Yes. She's alone with this woman whose baby is breached. Yeah. And Why are they leaving her alone with because women they're busy. and babies? It's East London. They're all having babies, Meg. Um, so this is not what the episode of Irish about. people just came and they're all, <laughs> right. they're all having babies. But the klutzy one has to like, has to remember her training Delivers the baby feet first. She has to let the baby's body hang. Yes. From the fuck. And the head is still inside the woman. And I'm just, I'm weeping during this episode. I think about it all the time. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) You're weeping because you're laughing? No, no, no. I'm weeping because it's so moving. Life is a miracle. Because look at what our bodies can do. It's so beautiful. Okay. It's, and I can't remember the name of that actress, but she's in a lot of stuff. She's an amazing British actress. Um, and she gets like a season's worth and then they marry her off because I think she got a bigger role. Anyways, this episode I'm talking about today is in season two. It's episode five. Um, the episode focuses on uh, one, like a baby beauty pageant to raise money for Nanata's house. Okay. Uh, okay. And then. That's a lot to take It's in. a lot. It's a lot. And some people are conflicted about it, okay, to be yeah. honest. Um and then, uh, but there's kind of the silliness of that, like the nurses being like, what are we gonna do? There's not enough crinoline, you know? Um, and and also there's a nun considering leaving. The nunnery. The nunnery for the a man. Hell yeah. Very sexy. But the other storyline in this episode, it focuses on a woman named Nora, mother of eight, mm. who goes in, so they have this um, uh, clinic that the women in the town can come to uh, to get a quick checkup. So they don't have to, you know, it's just there's so many people in this like very like overcrowded community. Um, And so this is kind of like the best option that this uh, these midwives can offer. And um, so Nora goes in to get just a checkup and uh, the nurse checking her out is like, oh, oh, I would say you're 17 weeks along. And Nora starts breaking down and gets dressed really quickly. And she's like, I know it can be startling when you're, you know, an older mother to find out you're pregnant, but it can be a blessing. And she's like, I have eight children who already don't have enough food. I don't know what you mean by blessing. And she's like, I know you're shocked right now, but everything's going to be fine. And she storms out. We follow Nora to the herbalist's house Mm. where she bangs on the door and then starts fighting this woman to the ground to be like, your shit didn't work. I'm still pregnant. Fuck you. Oh, so she'd already tried yes. to have the abortion. So this woman wow. found out she was pregnant early, tried to abort it with herbs, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. So they are having a rough tussle on the ground, and I'm like, this is epic. Um, so they have their fight. 
and then the the town people split them up uh and then she has to break it to her husband later um that she's still pregnant and you can tell they have like a really lovely marriage it's really tense because they he is having a hard time getting work they're living in like government housing mm-hmm. and they need to be relocated but they don't have government housing for that big of a family so they're just stuck in this rundown house there's rats everywhere at one point a rat bites the most the youngest baby's face oh gosh like it's just you can just tell like it, it paints such a picture of this woman really can't have another kid right. like she's just already so stressed she's she's stretched so thin um and the husband's just not making enough money uh so she's like i am committed to end this pregnancy we can't have a ninth kid i just know we can't and at one point she even breaks down she's like if i can't get rid of this pregnancy i can't continue living like she's just like and it's just it's heartbreaking like every scene is heartbreaking with her because you just see her like constantly trying to fix the problem and constantly like hitting a wall. So here I am as the audience being like, get that woman a fucking abortion. Yes. I really hope that's where this episode goes. Yes, if she sure. dies from a botched abortion, I'm going to be pissed. So, um, <laughs> so they, uh, I'm going to cry. The show continues on. Um, and she, uh, tries a couple home remedies. One of which is, uh, a very hot bath and downing a bunch of gin. And you just see her attempt this. So this episode has multiple scenes of like attempted abortions. Wow. So so one, she's in this scalding hot bath that her husband continues to pour boiling water into. And you see her like physically in pain while she's chugging gin. Because it's like an old wives tale. Like Mm. gin can help um, end a pregnancy. Um, And you see that. And the kid, like one of the kids walks in and the the husband's like go back to bed we're very busy right now and the kid has to leave so like a kid sees what's going on it's just really tragic uh then they cut to baby beauty pageant shenanigans and then then we go back to nora who figures out that she's still pregnant she has to go vomit and she's like god damn it i'm pregnant so she sends the husband out to go get like knitting needles Shut the fuck mm. up. And he, uh, while he's out fetching those, the midwife comes to do like a surprise check-in being like, hey, well, since I know you're pregnant, this is one of your check-ins. And she's like, oh, okay. And that's when we find out like a, a rat has bitten one of the baby's faces. Uh. And the nurse is like, does this, where is the landlord? What's happening? And she's like, this is an abandoned building. Yeah. This is all we've been given to live in. Uh, and so the nurse sympathizes and then starts seeing the evidence that she's been trying to end the pregnancy herself. Mm. And she's like, you know that the only safe way to end a pregnancy is surgery, which is illegal, right? Mm-hmm. We know this. So you have to have this baby. And the mother's like, thank you for your time, nurse. Please leave. And the nurse leaves conflicted. But like, I guess that's all I can do. So husband comes home with knitting needles and a crochet hack. But after the nurse talked to her, Nora's like, OK you know what, I'm not going to try this myself. I don't know what I'm doing. She made a good point. I need it. I need someone who knows what they're doing. So she goes back to the herbalist. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> and, and I love how I like have all these notes and I'm like, I'm just reliving it in my head. I feel, oh, this isn't, this is riveting. So she I'm goes, so scared. She goes back to the herbalist. Um, I might, I'm going to get emotional because it's like, it's such a good episode if of television, you guys. the way I'm scared that it ends <laughs> This is all going to be why we cry. Sure. Of course. Of course. Fuck. So, so she goes to the herbalist 
And she's like, and, and she's been talking about how she knows how much the herbalist needs to perform this um, procedure. And they don't have it. They're a very like poor family. Um, but at one point in the episode, the nurse comments on the beautiful curtains in the sad apartment. And she's like, oh, that's my someday something better will come curtains. We figured out that she sells those curtains to pay for her abortion. And she pays the herbalist to do it. The herbalist comes to the house. The herbalist that she wrestled to yes. the ground. Yep. Um, part of me wonders if I should show this clip because it's. You tell us. I'd have to find it. Um, but it's. Uh, it, it's kind of a depiction of an illegal abortion. Let's watch it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Um, I'll start describing it though. So this this herbalist comes over to the house. They lay like a a sheet over her kitchen table and she's got like a young girl it's maybe the herbalist daughter or just a teen apprentice or something and she's there to help um and she seems kind about it but it's also very like you know clinical in a way but also very cold um okay i'm gonna look it up what's the way i'll take the edge off (laughs) so they give her some Calming tea with probably some booze to. So she's like in her forties. Yes, this woman yeah. is like she's yeah. older. She's got eight kids. While the abortion scene is happening, there's a young nurse prepping for a date, and she's giving herself a manicure. No, this and we see these well. awful tools. Miriam will keep me in the right position. Wow. She's fucking not tell asleep. Nope. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. And the intercuts between this manicure where this woman's like pushing back her cuticles. So weird. Right? And you can tell Nora's in a lot of pain. Oh, and the red paint on the nails. nails. Yeah, it's really intense. How do you guys watch the show? Carry oh Nora God. back to bed. Um, wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Wow, dude. So, um, it's kind of clear when you see the herbalist pulling out her tools that they are not clean. Um, and Nora ends up getting a very bad uh, infection called Ugh. septicemia. Um, and which is blood poisoning from bacteria. And, uh, Though the nurse who had been seeing her and who like was like, you know, the only way to do this is through surgery and you need a doctor for that. Um, she runs into Nora's husband at the baby beauty pageant. <laughs> um, <laughs> lest we forget. Lest we forget that is currently event. happening. Um, and he's obviously distraught because he knows what's happening at home right now. Um, and the nurse picks up on the cues, runs home, finds Nora in a really bad way in bed, gets the head of Nanata's house, who's like a head midwife, to come see her. And that she's a nun. This woman, the head of the midwifery, is also a nun and like very religious and devout. And uh, as she's like helping this woman, she's like, I mean, it, we know what she did, right? Like she she ended this herself. And she's like, this isn't the first time I've seen this. It's not this last time. You will go get a doctor and tell him um, she's had a miscarriage and he, he wow. needs to come immediately. Wow. So this beautiful moment where a nun's like, we help people yeah. in these situations. Yeah. Like um, our, our gal from the 1000s. 
The what? That you sang the opera about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Hildegard von Binken. Hildegard. Hildegard, baby. Wow. Um, so they they go to her. Uh, she gets septicemia from the uh, not clean tools uh, and lands in a coma. And you see a scene where the husband and eight children come to say goodbye to Shut her. Shut my up. God. Um, and... And then there's this beautiful voiceover of because like the show's narrated by the nurse right. uh, who who like later moves on to be like, I tell the stories of these women now. Right. Um, she's like, abortion wouldn't be legal in London for another 25 years or whatever. Uh, many women like Nora suffered and died and et cetera, et cetera. It's very sad. And then Ugh. you cut to see the husband with the eight children walking in a field. He was later relocated to a country home with uh, bedrooms for everyone and space to run around. Oh. No rats. And luckily, Nora survived. And you see her come Shut up. Shut up. And okay, she shivers. Like, I know, shivers. right? Right? She comes up holding the youngest's hand and like, you know. But secretly, it's the ghost of her imposed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, where are my children? Where is my mommy? Oh, my God. So Nora survives. But Thank honestly, God. the whole episode, you're like, fuck, oh. she did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Meg. What it's a really good episode. What a roller coaster. What a what fucking I, roller coaster. What I love about this episode is the desperation they portray in people yeah. who oh, don't want to yeah. have babies. Yes. Because yeah. uh, so far, it's been like, I don't want one, but it's not like life or death. Yeah. You know? Right. Yes. Yeah. That's powerful. Wow. Yeah. Well, the midwife. We went across Doing the it. pond for that one. Yeah. <sighs> Well, listeners, as you can see, the three of us are obsessed with this topic. Um, we should truly like go back to school and get our PhDs in menstrual media. Um, because of that, this episode went real long. So we're going to split this up into two parts. So stay tuned. In just a couple days, we'll drop part two, which will be the remaining five abortions on screen. We can't wait to share them with you. We also get into a Why I Cried and there's a surprise song. So stay tuned. And I hope you enjoyed this. Please, please call in or write us if you have a favorite abortion on the big screen or small screen. Our hotline is 9106uterus. You can find us on Instagram at Vicious Echo Podcast. You know the drill. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned. Thank you so much and bleed everywhere. Our theme song was written by Meg Trowbridge and performed by The Go Ahead. Find them at thegoaheadmusic.com. And our Vicious Cycle logo was created by Katie Newman. Find her at katienewman.online.